Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecallendershow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Okay, so we just finished wrapping up everything that you need to know going into uh, about District 8 as we start these final two months heading into the primaries, which is March 5th. Now let's look at something else. This impacts, while District 8 only impacts a portion of Mecklenburg County and Cabarrus County and all of Union County, what I'm about to talk about impacts all of Mecklenburg County, and specifically Charlotte. And that's the crime. So the crime in Charlotte, violent crime. We all know car thefts are up, and those numbers are going to be skewed because of the TikTok challenge of all the Hyundais and Kias that were being stolen. But when you look at the other cars, okay, it's about average. But the numbers are going to be skewed for in terms of auto thefts, specifically because of those two things. Where there was that they showed you on TikTok on how to steal Hyundai's and Kia's, basically to hotwire them, and it was a TikTok challenge. Unbelievable. Actually, it's not. Welcome to the generation, which is to where I'm going now. New Year's Eve, five people were shot. None of them had life-threatening injuries. All were shot below the waist. Although you're lucky that none of them hit like the femoral artery to bleed out. Because that's one of your big arteries right there in the legs, the thighs. So an 18-year-old is arrested at a park of 10,000 people, Ramir Bearden Park. Which, by the way, I still laugh at because Ramir Bearden only spent the first three months of his life in Charlotte before moving away and never coming back. And, hey, let's name a park after him. He spent the first three months of his life in Charlotte. Let's name a park after him. But nonetheless. Um, So, 18-year-old shoots five people. Few cops get injured. A teen, 15-year-old, is arrested with a gun and for driving, basically, a car illegally. This And I said on, on X a couple days later, five people getting shot at a party in Uptown Charlotte is the least surprising thing there is. Only people who do not understand Charlotte and what it is are surprised. If the media is going, oh my gosh, five people shot. Yeah. Like, it's a shock if they weren't shot in Uptown Charlotte. Uptown Charlotte has been a ghost town for way before the George Floyd incident. People started avoiding Uptown like the plague. You couldn't go to the epicenter without fear for fear of being mugged or beaten up or any of the other places uptown. So what happened? All the millennials used to live uptown. That's where they lived, uptown. 
Where do they live now? Millennial Row. It's called South End. There's more than 10,000 apartments in South End. And my guess would be 75% are pretty probably millennials. Old Gen Z, old the, like the upper end of Gen Z, millennials, and then a few of old people that are Gen X. Because they wanted to get out of Uptown. Because it got so bad, and it is so bad. I mean, there's no reason to go Uptown. I, I, I avoid it. People go, oh, Brett, you want to go to, you know, go to a restaurant? I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I would rather drive to Huntersville to go to a restaurant, and there are very few restaurants to go to in Huntersville. No offense to Huntersville, but it's just small. But I'd rather drive to Huntersville than go to Uptown and deal with that I-77 traffic and to have to take the toll lanes than deal with Uptown. Don't do it. So you get the people that are surprised that teenagers are doing this. They shouldn't be surprised. Like I said, it's a surprise if it didn't happen. If the shootings didn't happen, that's the surprise. We're talking about a city in 2020 that had an... I think it was an Uzi. It was an either an Uzi or an AK-47. I think it was an Uzi. Fire 150 rounds at a Juneteenth street party on Betty's Ford Road. 150 rounds. People running for their life. There were that place was packed. A massive party. Still haven't made any arrests. This is Charlotte now. This is Charlotte. 2018 was the last year we had a low murder rate. And then in 2019, it went from 58 to 100. It nearly, I think like 104, it it basically doubled in one year. And it's been that way ever since. And there's no slowing down. And now you have a police force that's short about 550 officers. Now think about this for a second. A police force is short 550 officers. That's being short of where they were six years ago. Did you know every single day, 113 people moved to Charlotte? Every day, 113 people moved to Charlotte. So all these people are coming to Mecklenburg County, and yet the police force is getting smaller. That's why all these apartments are built, because there's no houses to house all these people moving to Charlotte. That's why you now have Millennial Row in South End with over 10,000 apartments just in that one area. Not including the rest of the areas. It's just that one area. But then you see over the weekend, I'm just going to read a headline to you. 18-year-old accusing Charlotte student is finally released from jail. Okay, great. 18-year-old. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Man killed in shooting near North Charlotte Arcade. Oh, well, there you go. Shocker. But when you have this city, well, I tell you what, we'll tease this. When we come back, I'll tell you why Charlotte is turning into Baltimore, Memphis, St. Louis, Detroit, New Orleans, Atlanta. I'll tell you exactly what's happening. I don't think it's too late for Charlotte. There's still a chance you could turn the city around. 
Other cities are long gone. They're unsavable. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com, veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out um okay so charlotte the crime the murders since 2019 have gone through the roof 113 people moved to charlotte every single day sort of the most moved to cities in the entire country it's usually in the top five recently it's been in the top two murders 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 routinely went from 58 in 2018 to now routinely in three digits. Doubled. Here's why. Well, not not all the reason. Like I said, CMPD being short 550 officers doesn't help. But let's just say hypothetically they had the 550 officers, or let's say they had 400 extra officers. How much of a difference would that make? I don't know if it would make much of a difference at all. Here's why. Between the magistrates and things going on with the district attorney's office and the local judges. I mean, the kid got out of jail, immediately shots, or, you know, the kid shoots someone, turns himself in, this 18-year-old over the weekend, and is immediately out. The kid that had guns and was driving a car illegally, 15 years old, out with an ankle monitor. Now, the 18-year-old that shot five people got a $1.5 million bond. But when it all comes down to this. Let's, let's, let's take a look. We know how blue Charlotte is and Mecklenburg County is turning. With each passing month... There are fewer Republicans in Mecklenburg County. The unaffiliated is number two, and Democrats are by far number one. Although unaffiliated is gaining. Now, we're in the South. But let's take a look at these other places. Do you realize how dangerous and what a rat hole Memphis, Tennessee is? St. Louis and East St. Louis? New Orleans, Baltimore, Detroit, obviously New York City, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, San Diego, L.A. What do, oh, Minneapolis. What do all these places have in common? There's not a single Republican voice to be heard. There's not even a single unaffiliated voice to be heard. They're all extremely deep blue. And in many cases, they tend to be more concerned about the perpetrator's rights than the victim's rights. 
when all these Charlotte city, or excuse me, all these city councils all over the country are talking about defunding the police. You had someone trying to defund the police here on Charlotte City Council. Braxton Winston tried to try to lead that charge. Larkin Eggleston, a fellow Democrat, thankfully, basically talked him out of it and and, and brought up other things instead. And the city council, which at that time was a disaster. The, it will go down as the worst city council in the history of Charlotte because there were basically no adults on that city council. They were all young. Ed Driggs and Julie Eiselt, that was about the extent of it. There were no adults on that, on that city council. But when you elect people and a government that is seriously debating defunding the police or saying, hey, just because a guy used the bathroom on your back step doesn't mean he should go to jail. People that want to allow tent cities, that's why this city's in trouble. Now, is it too late? No, it's only been five years or five years, six years. This has been going on since 2018, or excuse me, 2019. Those other cities are far are far gone. Like they're gone. There's no saving those other cities. Austin, Texas used to be the most livable place in America. Right now it's a rat hole. It's a mini San Francisco. There's homeless everywhere, tent cities everywhere. Crime is soaring now because of all the homeless. Is that what you want Charlotte to become? Because that's what it is. It's becoming that way. It's becoming Baltimore, Memphis, Detroit. That's what it's becoming. And as long as the government people are in charge, specifically city government, don't know why you would ever expect anything different to happen. You could only expect things to get progressively worse. When in those cities have things ever gotten better? You know the one Democrat city where you don't find that at? Boston. You know why? Because they are crazy, crazy in love with their police department. They support their police department, the citizens and the government. And there's not a lot of Republicans hanging out up in Boston. So it's not a Republican-Democrat thing. It's who you elect and support. And you're seeing the ramifications of that right now here in Charlotte. And things are not going to get better. I'm sorry. They're just not. They've they've been getting progressively worse. There's no reason to expect a turnaround. I want to read this. This came in from Doug. He said, Brett, five or six of us skipped school to go to the concert on February 1st, 1984 with Autograph as the opening act. And you're right. I forgot that Autograph was the opening act. You're 100% correct. I think they they were a one-hit wonder. Maybe, I say 1.5 songs. One song was a hit. And a song that was eh, barely making the top 40, maybe, top 50. Um, they scheduled the second show February 18, uh, February 14th, 1984, and went to that one, too. $14 tickets, as I, be- as I recall. I say, I don't remember the second show, but the first one, and you're right, the tickets were like 14 bucks. I think I saw Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA Tour, at the Bojangles Arena, of all places. And I had fourth-row tickets for that. Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA tour, I got four. And I want to say they were really expensive because they were $17. Really expensive. Pretty positive that's the way it went. So, really cool, interesting email. But it's funny that he has the dates. It's really funny. Um, Okay, so look. I don't remember last year, December, being 
as cold as it was this year, December, specifically in the mornings, 28, 29 degrees in the mornings, and then, you know, 48, 50 in the afternoon. But I just don't remember it always being that cold in the mornings. Well, now it has been blustery for about a week now. And a lot of times, you know, we'll hit low 60s, high 50s. We haven't hardly had any of that. We're supposed to be like a little bit higher tomorrow temperature-wise, but it's going to be nasty weather. And I want you to hear this full report because I'm not a weather geek. I'm not. I am not a weather geek. I always diligently look at the forecast and look at the temperature as I'm getting ready to leave my house, no matter what time of day it is. I was like, oh, okay, how cold is it? How hot is it? Is it going to rain later on in a couple hours? Oh, okay, boom, ready to go, ready to go. But outside of that, I don't need to tell you that there's thunderstorms outside. You've got ears and eyes. You know if it's raining. Hey, be careful out there, it's raining. You don't need me to tell you that it's raining. You don't. But this is going to be such a potentially extreme event for tomorrow weather-wise then I want you guys to go ahead and get the full effect. Meteorologist Rachel Coulter joining us now, and we are going to enjoy today and try to brave the cool weather before tomorrow we have to get ready for storms. Right, Rachel? Yeah, tomorrow's going to be a busy day. So we've got a couple things that we're going to be watching. We've got the heavy rainfall that's going to be moving Mm -hmm. in, and that starts as early as the overnight period tonight. And then the winds will start to pick up, even outside of any storms. And then we're going to have that potential for strong to severe storms. There's even the potential for some icing in the mountains as we head into the overnight period as well. So, so much going on. We've had a first alert weather day in place for Tuesday since last week. We're in an active pattern, so we've had system after system, and it looks to stay the same. Another opportunity for some rain and storms arrives on Friday, but we're going to walk you through this all the way through the week, but let's talk about Tuesday first and really break down the impacts that we're expecting. Let's start with the heavy rainfall. We could see two to three inches of rain, and Chief Meteorologist Al Conklin made a really good point this morning. We've already seen so much rainfall here, especially over the past month or two, and so the ground's saturated, so it won't take much to knock any trees down, and we're going to have to watch for that, especially since the winds are going to be elevated anyway. We're going to see some really strong wind gusts, especially into the afternoon and evening hours tomorrow. And then you add in the severe threat, the window of time that we're going to be watching really from about the middle of the day. So about this time tomorrow, you'll want to have that first alert weather app downloaded and have your notifications turned on loud and through the early evening hours. If you live along in south and east of I-85 from Charlotte Point south and east where you've got the best chance at seeing damaging wind gusts, but even a brief tornado risk, which is something that we'll be watching closely. So let's talk about the alerts that are in place as a result of those impacts. We've got a wind advisory that's in place for almost the entire area. We could see wind gusts up to 50 miles per hour. So power outages with trees coming down, it's just going to be something that we're going to have to watch out for. And then a high wind warning in place out towards Avery County with those wind gusts up to 60 miles per hour. Speaking of the mountains, overnight tonight, there's going to be a brief opportunity where you can pick up a tenth of an inch of ice. So a wind advisory, I should say winter weather advisory in place for Ashwatauga Avery and northwestern portions of Burke and Caldwell County. So some slick spots possible early on tomorrow morning. The rest of us, though, just going to see a lot of rainfall. Enough so, we've got a flood watch in place. This is mainly west of I-77 that starts up tonight, and that's going to go through tomorrow evening. And this is where we're expecting the greatest risk of seeing two to three inches of rain, but there could be some higher totals, especially where you get some of that heavier rainfall to set up shop. The system that we're watching, that's out to the north and west of us. Eventually, that's going to be lifting up to the north and east. High pressure and control for now. That's going to keep us dry through the rest of the day today, but let's time out when everything starts to change. 
change. Tomorrow morning's commute likely going to be a rainy one. A lot of that wintry mix we would have seen overnight is going to be coming to an end at that point, even a cold rain for the mountains by that time in the morning. And then around this time tomorrow, so again, 24 hours from now, we're watching our storm threat. So there you go, that line of storms that's going to be working along I-77 and pushing off towards the east. So damaging wind gusts is going to be the main concern, especially in our southeastern counties. But you can't rule out a tornado to develop along this line as it pushes eastward. This is all going to be wrapping up by the time that we get to about 5, 6 o'clock at night. This is pushing east, and we could see some snow on the back edge of all this. So I know there's so much to talk about. Just tried to walk you through that. We're going to have more data coming in as the day wears on. So check back in with us starting at 4 o'clock tonight. We'll have another round of data in. We're going to continue to fine-tune this forecast. That first alert weather day is in place. It's going to be quiet today. Highs in the low 50s. 60s tomorrow. We're going to quiet down again. Wednesday and Thursday look fine. And another storm system moves in on Friday. High temperatures in the mid-50s. First alert in place. At least this time, the weekend looks dry. But, of course, we'll keep you posted. So there you have it. Lots of stuff coming tomorrow. I wanted you to hear, you know, a little bit more than just the 15, 20 second weather thing. I wanted you to hear all of it because there's a lot going on tomorrow. So bat down the hatches. Real quick, um, just want to, I know we listened to the weather forecast from WBTV a minute ago. It was like a lot of things going on. But I can tell you, Cabarrus County Schools have already canceled school and all after school activities for tomorrow. They've already canceled it for tomorrow. And because of potential heavy rain, and the flooding and possible tornadoes and winds at 50 miles an hour and all that. Now, in um, these particular districts, we'll have remote learning tomorrow. Catawba County, that's you, Hickory. Chesterfield County Schools in South Carolina. Clover School District, South Carolina. Fort Mill School District, South Carolina. Lancaster County School District, South Carolina. York School District 1, South Carolina. So so you, most of those are in York County. What, one, two, three, three of those are in York County um, for tomorrow. But heavy rain, two to three inches, gusty winds, 50 miles an hour, and the possible threat of tornadoes. And the tornado risks are highest along and southeast. And the south and east, I should say, not southeast, south and east of I-85. So those school districts already, Cabarrus County School has already canceled schools for tomorrow. And Catawba County Schools will be having, has already said we're having remote learning. And it's 3 o'clock and we haven't heard anything from CMS. There you go. Um, so... I want to talk about this real quick. Oh, by the way, a quick reminder, quick reminder, quick reminder. Coming up in about seven to eight minutes from now, Brett Winnable's show, when his show starts, he's got a major announcement involving WBT and District 8 of the Congressional District. So we got that going on. So make sure you stick around for that. So I found this very interesting. We know that Psychologically, one of the biggest problems facing uh, the millennials, Gen Z, and going forward is all the social media. We know that suicide rate among teen girls is at an all-time high because of you know Instagram, TikTok, being bullied, everything else. It's all about the clicks and the likes, right? I found this fascinating. A lawsuit filed by a company representing multiple social media platforms, has blocked a new Ohio law from going into effect. So a 
Net choice, one word, capital C, sort of like South Park, one word, capital P. Net choice filed a 34-page lawsuit that represents, get this, they represent Facebook, Instagram, X, which you guys know as Twitter, and YouTube, the big boys, to stop Ohio's new social media law going into effect. Well, what's the new social media law? It says, and it was passed, it was passed by the Ohio State legislators, and it would have gone into effect January 15th, a week from today. The law says that these social media companies must receive parental consent for children under 16 years to use their platforms. So if you're 15 years old, 14, 13, 12, 11, you must get parental uh, consent to use Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, X, and those companies want nothing to do with that. Because they know, especially on Instagram and TikTok, and I don't, maybe a little bit of Snapchat, those platforms are used extensively. Not so much Twitter for the 14-year-old, not so much Facebook with a 14-year-old, but definitely YouTube and definitely Instagram. It's all about the gram, as they say. So Ohio State Lieutenant Governor John Husted said this, this lawsuit is cowardly but not unexpected. These companies are determined to go around parents and expose children to harmful content. And it all becomes because this this law went into effect because in 2022, a Streetsboro High School senior named James Woods took his own life because he was the victim of sextortion. Hey, what that means is, send me a pic and I won't um, reveal other information about you. Or it means, hey, I got this pic that you sent to a girl or a guy. And if you don't give me money, I'm going to release it to everybody and put it out on your high school's thread or whatever. That's what that means. Under the law, a parent or legal guardian would need to give consent through either a form credit card, debit card payment, um, phone call, or a video conference or verification through a government-issued ID. So think about that. Now, if you're 12 years old and you started an Instagram account, it does not impact those that were created before next Monday, a week from today. So anything created before next Monday would have a grandfather clause. But all these companies are like, no, 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 we don't want parental consent. I actually kind of like that. And if this lawsuit fails, I would not expect, I would not be surprised if other conservative states, especially conservative states, put this into effect. I don't know if liberal states would. I don't know what liberal parents think about this, but this is exactly in the conservatives' wheelhouse and something that they would do. Well, no, we got to protect the children, protect the children. It would be interesting to see what they think about that. So just keep an eye on that.